Welcome to the Shepherd's Crick Podcast. This ministry exists to provide coaching, resources, and events for pastors and church members. My name is Jared Sparks. Join me as I talk pastoral ministry, applied theology like manhood and womanhood, political theology, and cultural analysis with a little bit of hunting and fishing thrown in. I'm a husband, a father, and a pastor, and I'm here to remind you of the chief pastor and our king, Jesus. Hey guys, and welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. Welcome into the studio. I'm pretty excited to be talking to a guy I've actually known for a very long time today. He's going to be new to you, but he's got a lot of really cool things going on that you'll want to check out. I'm talking to a good buddy, John Wheaton. John, how's it going, man? Good. How are you? Good to see you. Let's go ahead and pray, and we're going to talk uh, all things guns. We're going to hear about your life and uh, have a lot of fun along the way. Let's pray. Sounds good. Father, thank you for this time. I thank you for a brother and friend. I just ask for a blessing upon this conversation, and it's just cool reconnecting after a long time, and uh, thank you for uh, just what you're doing in his life, and it's just pretty pretty exciting seeing him as a trainer of men, and I uh, got excited about the new work and podcast that he's going to be doing, and just ask for a blessing upon the conversation. We love you, and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, man. Bring us up to speed. Tell us about yourself. And, you know, we were talking before we hit record, but, I mean, I'm kind of re-getting to know you mm-hmm. a little bit in the process. Yep. So bring us up to speed. Tell us who you are. Tell us about your family and then what you do. Okay. Well, um, I am a born. I'm, I'm a local Southern Illinois boy. I was born in Marion in a, ironically, a church parsonage. I was a pastor's son most of my life. Dude, I didn't know that. Yeah. What church? What church um, is- so my dad did, uh, he pastored Pentecostal churches. No way, so, UPC yeah. or Trinitarian? Uh, Trinitarian. Okay, Church know. of God? Uh, we were affiliated with the Church of God for a few years, okay. and uh, but he did a lot of independent okay. uh, Trinitarian. Uh, we I, we moved around a lot when I was a little kid uh, over into Missouri. Uh, we came back to Marion when I was nine. Okay. And so, what uh, church was it in Marion? Um, the it's all, all I know it is is Otis Street. It is. Okay. Um, I can't think of the name of it right <laughs> now. Sorry. But you were born but, in a Pentecostal. Yeah, I was, I was okay, born in, in, and actually, my parents when we moved back, live two blocks away from that church. Okay. Uh, so it's over on Otis Street in Marion, which is uh, you know the back. Close to Small's Meat Market. Okay. You know, is so. it still going? Is the church yep. still going? Yep. Is it really? It still is, okay. yep. Is yeah. your dad still pastoring? No. Okay. Uh, dad passed away in 2019. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. Cancer. But um, he pastored most of his life. He he ended up pastoring a church down in Anna. Okay. Um, Oasis of Grace was the name of it. Oh, yeah. That just started a few years ago. Yeah. Well, right. it's been, yeah, about a decade ago. But okay. he, that was what he, that he pastored there for um, several years. Okay. Um, up until basically he couldn't physically do it anymore. Okay. And then Gotcha. So I was kind of raised in the faith, um, straight away a little bit in my, you know, twenties, but mm-hmm. uh but, well, then, but before then, you didn't tell about your basketball career. Yeah, so, so yeah, yeah. So uh, that's kind of one of the funny things. Uh, we're we're reconnecting, and we have had some battles on the basketball court when we were a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. When we were, you were, um, you were unit or not? Yeah, unit, unity. Unity, time, yeah. and we were uh, grace. And our teams so, battled back and forth. Yes, and yes. I think we were the two best teams in yeah. the in the in the conference. So well, there's we, only seven teams in the yeah. conference. You <laughs> yeah. know? Well, you don't want to make it sound like. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, know, right. You know, we were the yeah. two best. teams. That's right. Two yeah. best teams. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, we we had some epic battles and and just some good times as as kids. Um, gosh, it's been over twenty years ago, man. It's crazy, it's wild, isn't it? Yeah, I mean it is. It's crazy. Yeah. Time really does fly. Yeah. I mean, and, 
you're uh, well, we're gonna out ourselves here yeah. age wise, but forties, front end yep. of the forties, you know, yep. which is pretty wild. Yep. But I like forty. Um, is so far I don't. You know, every once in a while I get up in the morning. I'm like, wow, where did this pain come from? But yeah, you know, yeah. for the most part, my forties have been good. You yeah. know. Well, the thing about there's a there's certain when you talk about prime of life. Well, I guess you know, physical prime is twenties probably mm-hmm. twenty five or so. I started working out though last uh, year and a half ago, and I'm as strong as I've ever been. Yeah. And I feel like I can do anything that I've ever wanted to do. I'm not as fast anymore. In fact, I did a foot race with a kid at church. He's 13, and he beat me. Ooh, and I know, I know. That's he humbling. Beat, I know it is, but you got to know what you're good at and what you're not good at. Yeah. And apparently, I'm not a sprinter. <laughs> but uh, but there is a prime of life where you start to hit stride. You've lived long enough at this age where you've picked up some life wisdom. Mm-hmm. You know. And uh, it's not that uh, you've reached the pinnacle or the plateau of, of life where you've got it all figured out, but you do realize that you're a bigger dummy than you ever thought. You know, yep. there's things, there's a lot that you don't know, and I think there's some wisdom in that. Yep. Of being able to know what you don't know and, and who to talk to when you need some wisdom and guidance and, and uh, the maturity to be able to go and ask for help. And and uh, so 40s are sweet. So anyways, okay, so now you're uh, you ran away from the Lord in your mid-20s. Yeah, okay. so I joined the Air Force shortly after 9-11 was going to join the Marines. My mom talked me into the Air Force, so I joined okay. the Air Force. Uh, I did 12 years in the Air Force. Dude, I had no idea yeah. you did yeah. that. It's been a while. You know? Yeah, like, so, well, thank we just, you. Yeah. <laughs> so we've, uh, we've been, a, well, basically not really connected since yeah. since high school, right. aside from being on social media. Right. Um, that's one of the things, uh, a little tangent here, but it's one of the things about social media I think is is somewhat detrimental is like you connect with people that you don't really connect. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you see little highlights and clips. But um, no, I, I was in the Air Force, came back, uh, was going to college, had every intention of moving to Texas when I was done with college, and then I met a girl. Okay. And we are now married for 15 years, have two biological children and one foster child. Um, And um, she's a school teacher. so she has a lot of challenges in this day and age. Yeah, uh, and she's going to have big decisions. Yes, yes. Uh, We've already discussed those, yeah. like at length. That you know, with culture, the way it's moving, mm-hmm. it's so it's so hard. There are certain things that you just no, I can't do that. Yeah, you know, and uh, and you guys get... are going to have to just to encourage you in in, in a direction. It, in Illinois, you guys are put in a position where it's like you're going to have to bend your ethics, or you're going to have to be. She's going to have to be a woman of principle. Yeah, and mm-hmm. exactly right. There's going to be mass exodus of Christian teachers. There yep. should, should, should be. Yeah. And, uh, yep. for what's coming. Yep. And so, um, I work at a local auto plant, uh, as an engineer. And then on the weekends, I do one of two things. I do firearm instruction or I do music. I've, I grew up in a musical family and I've played music since I, my dad bought me a guitar when I was 11 years old and I never put it down. Um, so I, I'm one of the worship leaders at uh, a, a local church, and um, yeah, I I keep myself pretty busy. Yeah, and, it sounds like it. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it's it's all good, man. I I really love where where this journey has taken me and mm-hmm. where it's headed. Uh, there's been I've worked I worked with youth a lot in church. Even I mean, one of my first things with music was doing leading worship for a youth group. Okay, and um, then moved throughout the years and come almost full circle back to where I was doing music for youth again up until about last year. Okay, and then it was kind of time to move on to something else. And I felt like God was leading me to this. This I, th- I think it's probably one of the most 
massive needs in the church right now, mm-hmm. and that's men's ministry. Yeah. Because um, the culture is so anti-masculine. Mm-hmm. It's so uh, set against that stuff, and we're blurring the lines with all of the gender um, madness, I would mm-hmm. call it, of just blurring the lines, trying to feminize young men yeah. into not being what God has created us to be mm-hmm. and not what what we're called to be yeah. through him. Well, because so. that's, that's kind of how we reconnected because I saw a lot of your posts online and I was thinking, huh, this is, you know, John's got some good things going on. He's got some good things to say. And I saw that you were getting ready to start a podcast and we actually mm-hmm. talked a little bit back yep. and forth about that. So, okay, so let, let's talk about that men's ministry and the need. And uh, what, so what happened? Was there some things that just you started listening to sermons or hearing from people or seeing what was happening in society and thought, okay, I got to, I got to do something about this. But what, what actually led you to the point of saying, hey, I'm, go- I'm going to actually step into this. I'm starting a podcast, and I'm going to start talking about it. So I think that one of the biggest things was that I, s- I look around and I see um, I see young men specifically, and I, I probably the bridge to that was at the tail end of when I was doing youth, was I saw these young men, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. I would hate to be in their shoes right now hmm. because, you know, how are they going to find a good godly woman with everything that's going on in the culture that's we're really training women to to sell themselves as a commodity right and um young men to be the consumers of that commodity as opposed to you know finding and building a a family off Mm -hmm. of uh, a off of the godly principles that he lays out in the bible um so i think that and, and i just saw a stat just a couple of days ago we have the lowest marriage rate in the country's history. Hmm. And that's so detrimental because this country was built on on yeah. family values. Absolutely. On how a, on the whole country is in, and the only way that it can be successful is if you have a strong family. Unit. Well, a nation is a collection of families. Correct. And weak families, weak nation. Yep. Crumbled families, crumbled nation. Yep. Uh, lost families, lost nation. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's what we're seeing. Yeah. We're seeing the, you know, the, the fruits of that. Yeah, and, and so honestly, just to interrupt here, but yep. it's a sign of a fallen nation. You know, we, mm-hmm. we, we, I love America and what America was founded on, but you don't realize that a nation has fallen until sometimes decades later. And I think what we're seeing now is the fruit of a fallen nation. And Absolutely. can God do a work? Can there be restoration? Well, certainly, because I mean, God is can do whatever he wants. Yep. That would be our hope, would be revival in this nation. But what we see is a fallen nation. We see a, a, a group of people from the top down. They don't have a clue about life. They don't have a clue about just the basics and the fundamentals of life. That doesn't take the Bible even to know. It's just natural law teaches you that there's differences between a man and a woman. Yep. God's common grace and just common revelation, that general revelation that God has given, every society knows that God has built men to protect. Yep. And now we live in a nation that sends our daughters to war. Yep. And it's a, you know, that, that's a fruit of principles that have crumbled. And so we, we live in a, a fallen nation, and at some point, People, I think, are going to wake up to that, and yep. uh, um, I think people start, you know, certainly are waking up to that. But I, th- I think people think, uh, well, we're just, uh, you know, we're one, you know, vote away or one president away of get from getting back on track. And one of the things I think we've got to understand as a society is that we are way beyond just voting ourselves out of this. Mm-hmm. We we have got from the ground up to rebuild families. We have to from the ground up to rebuild men and uh, and women. And uh, so I think the work that you're you know, identifying that needs to be done really does need to be done. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a critical need. And I think for, to, to piggyback off of that, 
it's like losing a bunch of weight. Okay. You can't, you didn't get, you didn't get to 300 pounds overnight. You're not going to get back to a hundred pounds overnight. Yeah. yeah and point. I think that's where our, where our country is, is like, and it takes hard work and it takes discipline and it takes, it takes people willing to sacrifice to actually get there. Mm-hmm. And I think that we are breeding or have bred a culture of comfort. Mm-hmm. We just want, you know, it, I was, I, I guess probably my biggest, <laughs> biggest moment, light bulb moment was probably in 2020 when we saw the lockdowns, when we mm-hmm. saw everything that went on during that, that year and them telling you that one thing was okay and the other thing was not, it's okay for them to go out and riot, but it's not okay for you to go to work. Yeah. It's not okay for you to go see your dying grandmother. Yeah, it's not okay to go to church. Yeah. To go to <laughs> church. <laughs> and, um, I, I think that that was kind of a light bulb moment for me of like, Wow, we've we've strayed so far away because I was expecting like after two weeks I'm like people are going to be in the streets about this stuff. Mm-hmm. You can't just do this, and people, oh no! Did you see Tiger King? Did yeah. You do, did you do that? You know, know. people like, loved it. That was yeah. the weird thing. It's like they they really just loved <laughs> yeah. it and they enjoyed yep. it. They didn't care. Yeah. Like, yeah. Lock us up. We don't care. Yep. And we and we got into this, and I do think that that time did wake a lot of people up. It did. But I don't think I I, I think that they realize oh. Wow, we're in a rough spot. You well, know? I, I think it challenged people in a way we've never been challenged before. Yeah. For so many. And because I've tried to run through, why were we so unprepared? Why was the church so unprepared? Mm-hmm. And we, I think it, it thrust us into the scriptures to, to dive in. And Okay, we have to get a political theory. We have to understand what the Bible teaches about this. We yep. have to understand the limitations and the, you know, the responsibilities that God has given the state, 100%. and the differentiation between the state and the church and the family and, and all of that. But I've, I've wondered. You know, what are the areas theologically? In fact, I'm, I'm actually going to be having Doug Wilson on the, on the show again here soon oh, awesome. to talk about some of this, about what, what are the things that we might be missing right now that, that's underdeveloped. And because uh, that certainly, I mean, political theology was underdeveloped for sure. It was for me personally. But mm-hmm. I'd say for 95% of pastors out there in churches, we were taken back and, and didn't have a clue what to do and had to yeah. run to the scriptures. You know, So I, I think it was a huge eye-opening moment for so many people. The last three years have been... Uh, to, for me personally, it's been pretty invigorating theologically. And yeah. Just, I mean, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's it's kind of interesting how those those times of the trying times kind of they shape you into something else, and you're like, oh wow. And on the back end of it, it's kind of like I love where the journey that I've been going on mm-hmm. in, that, in that period of time too. Yeah. Because in the in that you know one of the biggest things, and uh, I don't want to get too far down the down the road, but you know there there are things like that that grew out of those lockdowns that fed this just massive um i would call it <laughs> feeding the original i i have this 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 kind of personal theory of like the original sin for men mm-hmm. is passivity mm-hmm. i think that because when you look in the garden when eve went and took the fruit adam wasn't somewhere else he was yeah. with her mm-hmm. and he didn't do anything to protect or stop and he knew yeah and then, then tried to blame it on his wife when he didn't do his role, mm-hmm. you know, and he just passively allowed it and took it mm-hmm. and did what what his what his wife said, you know, yeah. at the time. And um, I think that that is the original sin, and that's that's kind of our default mm-hmm. as men. If we're not, we have to actively engage, yeah, and right. we have to actively, you know, be aware of what's going on in our family, in our house, in our, in our church, yeah. in our community, mm-hmm. in our nation. 
right. think that those are all things that we, that as men, we should be aware of. Well, with that being a sin propensity, because I, I agree that a, a masculine sin propensity would be passivity, dominance. One of those, one of those mm-hmm. two would be, generally speaking, what most men struggle with. And in er- some areas, it's interesting because I'll see some really driven men in some areas, but then really they're they're passive in other areas of their life. Mm-hmm. Or you know, there's this imbalance here of, of things that you see with it that's really admirable, but then other areas are like, man, why, why can you be a lion in this situation and a lamb in this situation kind of thing? Yep. But when it comes to those sin propensities, uh, I think we have to, certainly have to be aware of that. And uh, I think um, I think that's why, when you know, one of the reasons I identified, you know, hey, let's, let's talk about this whole area of firearms and protection. Um Men have to realize that we are protectors. Uh, that's yeah. that's what God has built us for. He's made us for. Yep. I've talked a lot about that on my show, and even on the on the show that uh, I just started with my sons, we're going to be talking a lot about being a protector and, and God building us in that way. So you've got this natural draw and affinity towards, you know, firearms. Towards mm-hmm. you know, you're at a tombstone all the time. I'm yep. seeing you on there and making these videos and training videos and and doing a great job with it. It's very fun to watch, and you know, I'm just watching along on Instagram, thinking, man, that's that's great. I got to get over to tombstones. <laughs> Sometime, but uh, so what is this particular piece of, of protecting that God has um, established in the man, and why do you see it necessary to do firearm training and be a protector as, as a man? So I think that as a man, we should have the ability, and it's not just firearms, but firearms are definitely because this country was kind of built on that. Yeah, know, let's talk Second Amendment. Then. Yeah, okay, talk about so it. So I, I, for me. I'm a I'm a absolutist on the Second Amendment. I'm an absolutist on the First Amendment. I think that the country was built on on these two pillars of being able to have the freedom to say the things that you that you think, the things that you that you know are true, to speak the truth, and if you don't, and also to have an open dialogue, mm-hmm. because I think that's the way untruths are exposed. Mm-hmm. It's not through. Um, it's not through censorship. It's through actually more speech. Yeah. And the truth will will prevail. You know. Um, and but the founders also realized that that's something that that somebody's going to try and take away really quickly. Mm-hmm. Somebody who has a corrupt mind. Somebody who who wants power. Yeah. Is going to take that away. So we have to have a way of defending ourselves against tyranny because mm-hmm. these you have to understand the founding fathers were by all accounts, wealthy men. They mm-hmm. were they sacrificed a lot for this country. They were pledging their lives in sacred honor for this country. Yeah. Um to to come to being. And they stood against the most powerful military in the world. Yeah. At the time. With just guys that were I mean, <laughs> Lexington and Concord, that was not a standing army. Those were guys that picked up their rifles mm-hmm. in their homes and went out. It's and crazy, faced, dude. It's yeah. crazy to think about. Yeah. I mean, I mean think about <laughs> Well, think about a bunch of us standing up against the United States military. I know. You know it's, it's wild. It's, it's crazy. But they had the courage to do that. And so because of that, they realized, hey, we need to have a framework of people governing themselves. Mm-hmm. Government by consent of the governed. Mm-hmm. So the only way you have that is to have the freedom to own and I know a lot of people say these days, military-style weapons. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that is... Yeah, yeah. That if the is, government's got it, we should have it. Yeah. I don't, I don't want my guns to not be effective. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to hunt an animal to feed my family, I want it to be an effective weapon. Yeah. If I'm going to protect my family against an assailant or a, or a tyr- tyrannical government, 
I want it to be effective. Yeah. I want it to be the best. Mm-hmm. And so I have a passion for that. And I think that every man, I, I actually had a conversation the other day with a guy that said he was afraid of having a, uh, a male son because he didn't know if he could teach him how to be a man. Okay. And I'm like, <laughs> it was, it was like, it was a shock moment to me. I was like, wow, that's, that's something, Yeah, you know? And that's, I think that there's a lot of those guys out there. They mm-hmm. just don't know how to be a man. They don't know yeah. how to. And I think that this is a part of it. It is something that, that fathers impart to their sons. I know that you've done that with your, you're doing that with your boys. I take my son to the range, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't post too much stuff about him, but he's right there shooting with me most of the time. Mm-hmm. He knows a lot of the same drills. He does a lot of the same stuff. I'm imparting that to him because I think that in those moments, you you have to be able to um, face all challenges as yeah, a man, right? And whether that be um, somebody trying to rob your home, or mm-hmm. some, or or a government trying to push um, its own agenda on you, or its own take away your freedom and your ability to worship God or to just live, yeah. Um, I think that that's that's probably one of the most important roles for men, especially nowadays. I think that what I saw, and I'm kind of jumping back and forth, so I apologize for that. But what I saw in a lot of these videos of school board meetings when they were talking about the transgender stuff, I saw a lot of moms there. Mm -hmm. Didn't see a lot of dads. So I think it even more than just firearms training or even in the firearm world... I think it's really just that that mindset yeah. of being a masculine man. Right. It's that um, shameless plug. The name of the podcast is Masculine there Mindset. You go. <laughs> right. um, but I think that we are we're at a we're at a time where we need strong men to lead their families and their communities. Mm-hmm. Because if we don't have that, this this whole experiment with this nation, I think, is going to further crumble yeah. and probably either shatter or become something that nobody's going to like. Yeah, fully agree. Okay, so let's uh, let's talk firearms. Ideally, we, we want to be able to protect our family with our body mm-hmm. first. We don't want to have to pull a firearm on right. somebody. I mean, it's a worst-case scenario that you'd have to pull the trigger. And ideally, you just I did a recent uh, talk about this, about theologically, can you take another man's life if you have to? And... My answer to that is yes, but I sure don't want to. I don't want right. to be in that situation. Yeah. But I want to be able to, be, you know, I don't want to be in that situation and, and having to be running through my mind, should I or shouldn't I, mm-hmm. in uh, a, a point where I'm, somebody's going to be harmed or uh, or killed. In that situation, I have to be able to pull the trigger and know that I can sleep at night for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And I'll be thinking about it probably for the rest of my life because it's a serious matter. So we want to be able to protect. So protection is beyond just, you know, pulling a trigger or, you know, when I first got married, I had a machete by the bed. You know, <laughs> it's like I probably it's this is probably more gruesome than a firearm. You yeah, it's like I got to get something beyond this. Uh, but I'm gonna actually ask you to challenge me because I have my concealed carry license and I uh, carry a Taurus G2 C or G G2 C, and this is my concealed carry right here, mm-hmm. and it's it's unloaded here. But this is what this is what I carry, and <clears throat> cheap gun, two hundred fifty dollars. I've done a minimal amount of training, but nothing like you have. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of guys that may not even be to the point that I am, but have just gotten the firearm, gone through concealed carry class, and now they're carrying and think that they're just ready to protect their family without 
proper training. Maybe they've had just they've been to the range a few times. Yep. And I would consider myself in the category of, of those that it's I'm I'm really kind of a probably I'm a beyond a beginner shooter. So I'm beyond mm-hmm. I'm beyond that. Uh, but I'm not a guy that's done course training like you have. Mm-hmm. But I'm intrigued by that. Okay. I feel like that there's a need for me to do that. Yeah. So let's just talk about that. Let's just say there's a guy that's interested in in firearms, agrees with us in this conversation that I'm a man, I've got to protect my family, and I've got to protect others, and I want to walk out in society and be that protector. I want to to own that for myself, I believe, and and know that God has built me for that. What's the first step? And then what would you encourage guys like me in to, you know, kick my butt a little bit to get me into some more training? So I think that there's, there's, there's a couple different avenues you can go. Um, out at out at Tombstone, we do a lot of classes. We do a lot of um, group classes that will help you in certain areas. Um, it will help you understand courses of fire. It'll help you understand, you know, target acquisition, sight alignment, that kind of stuff. Um, private instruction for someone that's rather new is probably some of the most important money that somebody could spend. Mm-hmm. It's it's and it, you know just an hour. Or a couple of hours and um, of getting the instruction on uh, like w- grip you know you have your fundamentals we, we know this from basketball mm-hmm. you have your fundamentals of how to shoot where you position your feet where you put your hands it's the same thing with a gun mm-hmm. it's the same thing um, there are certain fundamentals that over years I mean they, they've really morphed and I would say that probably some of the best information on firearms has come out in the last decade mm-hmm. because we had so many guys that were at war, yeah, and they right. come home. A lot of them start firearms businesses, training. You There's know, a lot that of guys kind of doing st- that. Yeah. yeah, and so I think that the best and mo- the the wealth of knowledge that has been gained from those guys just opening up, because before it wasn't really you know it wasn't really a thing that was as broadly available mm-hmm. as it is now. Well, and, with the internet also, you're able to yes. find the best of the best. Yes. Yep. And so you get the best courses, the best training, yep. you see the best videos, that sort of thing. And I'll tell you, I have taken classes with <coughs> many um, of the kind of national um, groups that do that stuff. And I'll tell you, we have the same level of training just locally here. Mm-hmm. I mean, at Tombstone, uh, the owner, Dave Kemp, will give him a shout out. He's a great dude, great Christian guy. And um, has a lot of the same views and philosophies that, that, that we've been talking about. And um, just the abilities of the, of the instructors out there, um, hopefully myself included, <laughs> um, have, will, will take a novice shooter to an advanced level fairly quickly if they do the homework. Mm-hmm. And so you were asking, how, how do I go to the next level? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's... It's not just getting in the ra- getting on the range. Uh, also, doing stuff like dry fire practicing. Okay. Um, a lot of your modern firearms. I'll show you. This is this is the one that I typically carry. And that's the John Level unloaded. gun right there yep. as well, right? So there's a Warrior Point yep. gun right there. I just actually loaded it, so we'll um, we'll say that uh, <laughs> that's completely unloaded and. So this is what I carry. Yeah, this is a Warrior Poet pistol. Um, I like the Gucci gear. Okay. Um, <laughs> but um, this uh, and most modern firearms, I can um, I can shoot this without a bullet in the chamber, without a magazine in the gun. Mm-hmm. And 
I can get my sight picture, my sight alignment, my grip and everything. And I can train all of those little tips that you get on the range from an instructor. Mm -hmm. And I can train all of those things and think through this process as many times. And that's free. Yeah. You know, so that would be my encouragement for the next level of people that, that know kind of how to shoot, but they want to get better. So it's going to make you faster at. Um, at are those those laser trainers as well? Where you can do there like the are, laser yeah. Trainers? So I, I I've used those, and they are good. They give you feedback on an app. My son um, was right there peeking yeah. through the door. <laughs> he heard the guns. And yeah, he's like, oh, I got to come. Yeah. yeah. So um, there are, there's apps that you can use, and those are all great tools. Um, the biggest thing I could say is do it. Yeah. Okay. You know, get out there and do it. It's it's like. Everything else, and um, so what should I should I be going once a month? What once? I mean, what what would you be? Your I, I would say go live fire at yeah. least once a month. I would mm-hmm. say you need to dry fire practice. I, I do two to three hundred times a day. So I can dry fire week. with this. I can dry fire practice yep. with that, yep. and it's not going to harm the gun. Nope. Right. Most striker fire. There's only a couple of brands of guns that it specifically will fire uh, or will will affect uh, FN. Uh, Herstel is one of the brands that, that you can't actually do that with. Mm-hmm. Um, but most modern striker fired, which both of these are striker fired, uh, guns, you can, you can dry fire, mm-hmm. um, and it will not damage the gun. It doesn't do anything different than what it does when it actually is shooting a bullet. And that's w- the first step I would say. And then getting into some, ad- once you get that foundation, um, getting some advanced training mm-hmm. and you can do that one-on-one. You can do that in a group. Uh, I do love one of the things that I absolutely love about the firearm community is that it is a tight knit community mm-hmm. and you've got, you find people from all walks of life and with few exceptions, everybody's a, are great people. They yeah. just, they just love being around people. They love interacting and, um, you know, of course, with anything you'll have, you'll have some of those that you're like, eh, maybe stay away from that guy. Yeah, but. that guy's a little weird. <laughs> yeah. It's like that in the hunting world too, man. It's like yeah. in the hunting world, you, you start to talk to folks and man, there's a lot of great folks yep. here. Yep. And then you get the weird, you know, yeah. there's, there's the weird guy, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. The weird guy's like, meet, meet on Tuesday. We're going like to take hun- over the, take over the local government. You know? Yeah. And, like, and, and then there's a guy that's out hunting on somebody else's land too. Yeah. It's like, wait, wait, that's not our land, bud. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, um, you know, and, and. When it comes to stuff like choosing a gun, um, there's a lot of, you know, you can do a lot of research online. You can find out what works and what doesn't, what mm-hmm. brands are good and what, what brands aren't. And the way that I always kind of frame it is um, if you're going to take your life and your family's life in the hands of a tool. Mm-hmm. You'd want that to be the best tool possible. Yeah, so you're probably cringing the fact that I'm carrying around a Taurus. Actually, I had a Taurus at one point, and I I actually liked the gun. I I like that gun. It's um, been reliable. uh, Yep. And uh, I've, you know, I don't really have anything. I've seen a lot of guys shooting Tauruses and Mm -hmm. concealed carry classes. Um, There are certain guns, certain brands that almost to a T fail, and they're not always what you would think. You'd think, oh, it's the cheap brands. No. One of the. Highest rate of failures on a concealed carry range is a Kimber. Really? Yep. My brother-in-law carries a Kimber. Yep. Yeah. Kimber's wow. almost... When we see a Kimber, we're always betting on how long it's going to take for it to fail. And we only shoot 30 rounds in a qualification. Okay. So, um, 
it's not always about the price of the gun. Okay. Um, I know some very good guns at three hundred dollars, two hundred dollars. Um, it's not always about the price that you pay. Mm-hmm. It's about you know how they're constructed and and you can find a lot of information on that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's been some some recalls on Six Hour, and Six Hour mm-hmm. is one of the most premium names in in firearms. Right. You know, so. <clears throat> so let me ask you this, because uh, it was about a year and a half ago, there was, I think, a 19 or 20-year-old young man at a shopping mall in Indiana, I think it mm-hmm. was, and there was a there was a guy that, that went in, was gonna, it was going to be a mass shooting, mm-hmm. and this young man pulled his gun from like 40 yards away. Yep. And I think out of two round, or two clips, I think he he was something like... I forget his accuracy, but from 40 nine yards, rounds, I believe, and eight of them hit. Eight of them hit from like forty yards away. Yep. That's remarkable. That's that, yeah. I mean, that is really good shooting. Yeah, I know a lot of guys that that shoot all the time, myself included, that probably couldn't do that. Yeah, I, and so I'm thinking, how much training is going into this? Because I think when when people hear that, they're like, you know, it's it kind of in one ear, the out, out the other. But guys like me, that at least I've shot enough to know, mm-hmm. man, that's really good. That's yep. really good shooting, and I would like to do that. And I'm not that great of a shot. I have a tendency when I when I shoot. What I do is instead of my trigger pull, I have a tendency to pull down and pull the gun. Yep. Also, in my trigger pull, I, I struggle to pull straight back. Yeah. All your gun's sights are down and to the left, right? Down and to the left. Yep. So it's it's when I'm shooting, it's down to the left, down to the left, down yep. to the left. And so I've got to work on my my finger pull when I'm, I'm pulling straight back. Um, but I know that that dude's probably spent a ton of time practicing. And then it came out that he was practicing with his grandpa. And his yep. grandfather took him along, and, and he yep. was this, this mentor. So I think that mentorship, just like anything in life, it sounds like you're saying, okay, if you get a good good instruction mm-hmm. and if you get consistency, you can get better. I think it's, yeah, and, and myself as a shooter, I have developed because of the people I surrounded myself with. Mm-hmm. I was, I've always been kind of a naturally good shooter, mm-hmm. but I've really developed into a much better shooter um, just because I, I spend time with like Dave out at Tombstone. I've done some classes with uh, with a couple guys from Fieldcraft Survival and um, learned a ton from those guys. Um, like I could I could probably diagnose your trigger thing mm-hmm. like that just by watching. Yeah. Oh, well, actually, I could probably even tell you. Really, it's your grip. Yeah. Okay. It's almost always that. Um, We'll get into a little bit of kind you, of how uh, I after do. After we get done with this, yeah. I'll yep. show you my yep. grip, and then you'll have yep. to tell me. Okay, this is what you're doing wrong. Yep. So, um, yeah, I, and that's that's why the instruction is so important. Mentorship. It's mm-hmm. the same thing. You're getting an instructor to mentor you into being a better shooter. Mm-hmm. And it's what when I watch somebody, I don't watch where the bullets are going. When I train, you're, you're watching. I'm watching what you're yeah, doing, right? Because I know if you're doing everything right and it and it looks right. <laughs> The bullets are going to go where they need to go. Right. Where you're putting the gun. And so, and in a lot of situations like that mall, I mean, you can imagine if if bullets start flying in a mall, it's going to be a mass chaos. People are going to be trying to get out of that. So there's probably people running all over the place. The fact that that dude could shoot, hit eight out of nine shots, almost like, was there an angel? I know, right? I mean, seriously, I mean, this is Providence right here. um, What's really funny is you, that, that story was in the media for like two days and yeah, the kid's I mean, a hero gone. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And just like the, the shooting in a Texas church a couple of years ago where the guy was an NRA instructor, the guy got one shot off, did kill somebody in the church, but the guy from like 20 yards away across the church hit the guy in the head mm-hmm. and stopped the shooter. Yeah. And, and I, I I'm going to kind of move to this real quick. So many people, have this idea of like, oh, there's so much gun violence. There's so much gun violence in this country. Well, we do have a lot of guns. 
I think that people get caught up with with the fact that we are, you know, oh, we're the only country that sees a lot of a lot of this gun violence. Well, first of all, that's not exactly true when you look at statistics. Yeah, you know, good. but we that's are good. a giant country with a lot of guns. Mm-hmm. So, guess what? Giant countries, all giant countries have violence. Mm-hmm. It's just that. Those other countries don't allow gun ownership, mm-hmm. you know. So violence is done with the tools that are available. Yeah. And, you know, the discussion, it's funny. It really doesn't need to go beyond. Anybody that just makes the argument beyond this, is it's a, it's an argument of absurdity. Guns don't kill people. People kill people. Yep. That is, that's case closed. Yep. Oh, yeah. And if you continue to argue past that, yep. you're making an absurd argument. And what people don't realize is that every... Every shooting is stopped by guns. Mm-hmm. Almost everyone. Yeah, you know it's very rare for it not to be have been stopped by guns, whether law enforcement or a or a um, conscientious citizen. Mm-hmm. Um, almost all shootings are stopped by people with guns. Mm-hmm. And so I think, and people don't realize a lot of times how close they come to those because there's some bad people out in the world. Yeah, there are some people that are that are doing evil. And they want to do evil. Mm-hmm. And if you get in their way, they'll do that evil to you. Right. And I think that that is something, when we talk about preparedness, you don't wait until the game, using a basketball analogy, again, mm-hmm. to practice your free throws. Yeah, right. You do all of that before mm-hmm. game time. Yeah. And we hope that this game time never happens. Yeah. Right. But we have to prepare like it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so, when, and when you reach those moments where you're fighting for your life or you're fighting for other people's lives, uh, you don't have anything that but the stuff that you trained. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you're not going to be like, okay, let's see, I got to get my, you know, I got, no, you literally, what you have trained is what you're going to have. Yeah. Because it's, it's all, you have to build that stuff into your subconscious. You have to do it until you can do it without thinking. My cousin was a Navy SEAL, and mm-hmm. he was in for six years. And he said they would come back from a mission. He did something like 90-something successful successful missions. That's a lot. He said they would come back, and they would train shooting at seven yards, thousands of rounds training at seven yards, yep. and just back to the basics. You think, well, wouldn't you be doing some more advanced stuff when you're a Navy SEAL? It's like, no, no, no. We're getting back, and we're shooting thousands of rounds mm-hmm. at seven yards. Yep. Like, really? That's interesting. Because they want that to be there, and they want that training to be fresh. And uh, But uh, so <clears throat> what we're talking about here is different than what I think a lot of people assume gun people are all about. There's crazies in the, on the, on the, in the TV and crazies that don't understand gun culture. They think that guys like you, who as a, a gun instructor, are, are aggressive, that they're somehow... Uh, that, that Gun ownership is about being on the offense, and any like the basics of having a gun is that we are here. We are defenders. There's a difference between being a vigilante and trying to seek vengeance, yep. because we're told that vengeance belongs to God, not yep. man. That 100%. we are, we are never to go out after the crime to seek justice. Yeah, we are there to try to stop the crime that's happening if it happens. Yes, and that's a huge difference. And I think anybody listening in needs to know that difference. And I have a listener that responded to me after an episode I did on this a while back and he, he said I'm actually going out for the first time and buying a firearm 
and he's he's stepping out of he, he grew up in a in a Anabaptist Mennonite family and didn't ever experience he he was a pacifist his whole life mm-hmm. and he was going to buy his first firearm and begin training. It was just really a neat thing to yeah. hear that because I, I think for a lot of people they think, well why would why would I want to get that? I don't want to you know put my family or put people in harm's way. And the whole idea is the exact opposite of that. Yeah, we want to use the strength and the power that God has given us. God has established men and given them power. It's going to come out in some ways, in some way, and that aggression that God has given us is going to come out in some way, and we want to raise up young men that that want to use that and and wield that aggression into a proper way. You are a defender and you are a protector. You're not a vigilante and you're not a man that goes out and harms people. You're a man that goes out and uses that power to protect people. Yeah. And I think that's critical for for anybody and everybody to know. And I know that you know that, and yeah. those that. Uh, that uh, are my regular listeners know that, but for those that are listening in that, that don't, I mean, that's, that's the whole point here is we want to be protectors. We care about people. Yeah. And that's what this is about. Yeah. I think that for men, um, we have, it's, it's really interesting because yeah, you, know, you get, you, you, it's so funny how, when you start talking about this, it rubs up against other, other issues, you know, cause you know, I, I, going back to the original sin, I think the original sin for females is, and it's is actually spelled out in the Bible you will desire your husband. Mm-hmm. You'll desire his position yeah. that God has created. And um, because of that, you have in culture, when they get away from God, they get away from God's plan. You have, oh, women need to take these roles. Women need mm-hmm. to be in these. And we have, but what they what they never tell you about is that we actually have the responsibility. Mm-hmm. Because God holds us accountable. Right. We are responsible for that. So if you're wondering, you know, oh, well, should I let my wife be the protector? No, <laughs> no. you're responsible because God's <laughs> going to hold you accountable. Yeah. If she, even if she is, does act and, and you know, I, I have trained my wife some on shooting. Um, she's not really a big fan of firearms, uh-huh. but you know, we've gone out to the range and I've taught her how to shoot, you know, and, but I, I would say that you're, if you're not willing to step forward and, and be a protector, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to become a gun freak or, 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 or be out there at the range like me, you know, mm-hmm. all the time. But I would say that you need to have the understanding of how that works. And so that when the time comes to be that protector, you can step into that role. You can take that responsibility yeah. and you're not going to feel that, that, shame or whatever of like not being prepared, yeah. you know, because I think that we have so many people that are, or so much in our culture is, is driving men away from that responsibility. Yeah. You, just play video games. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, just sit on the couch. Don't, don't yeah. really do anything. Well, that the society really is when it comes to men and that, that particular masculine sin, they've tapped into that passivity Mm-hmm. And in, we have, in, in a lot of ways, enslaved ourselves and been enslaved by pornography and video games. Yep. And uh, sex is good, and the uh, desire to conquer is good, but pornography, twist sex, and video games, the ex- excess of them, give you a false sense of conquering. Yep. And <clears throat> it's not that the video game side, porn is always bad. Yep. The video game isn't always bad. Yep. But it's easy, and it, it, there's there's this weird power that it can't have over guys. And at early age, you see it within your children. We have to put parameters around just little games on our on our phones or whatever. There is this pull and this draw with children to a game. Yeah, they can wake up thinking about it and go to bed thinking about it. It's yep. it's pretty wild. Um, 
But, uh, okay, so we've been talking a lot here. And say if people are listening and they're intrigued, go ahead and give another plug. When is the Masculine Mandate going to be coming out? And I guess it'll be on iTunes and everywhere else. Yep, and yep. Masculine Mindset, we are slated to uh, release uh, in early August. Okay. Um, you and Jonah still? Yeah. Okay. Jonah Adkins, a good friend of mine. Is going to be co-hosting that. Uh, another buddy of mine is going to be producing. Who's a big firearms guy too? Who's the producer? Um, uh, Alex Crane. He actually okay. works at my church as our uh, media guy and, okay. and uh, uh, producer of uh, uh, audio stuff. So, um, big John Lovell fan too, and okay. uh, he's a great guy. Um, and so we're we're going to tackle a lot of the issues um, surrounding this, not just not just narrowed down to like firearms, but more of like the broad strokes that we made in 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 this uh, this podcast today of like, you know, what does it mean to be a man? Where, where do we fulfill those roles of being a protector, a provider, mm-hmm. um, a leader in our home? Uh, a you know, how do we? What is wrong? What's the what's the diagnosis of the problem? And, um, where, how do we get to where God designed us to be? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think that <laughs> it, it pains me to say, but the big C church, I feel like they're not doing a good job with this. I mm-hmm. think it's one of the biggest, biggest failures currently in the church is that we're not pouring so many resources into training up godly men. Yeah. Because I think that even the church has started to follow culture in feminizing men oh yeah and i think that that's a massive massive mistake on the on the part we're not reading the bible the right way mm-hmm. if we if we are if we're thinking that men need to be less masculine we need, we should be teaching men how to how to have that aggression but harness it mm-hmm. and focus it on godly things yeah because there is a way to do that mm-hmm. and i think that instead of tackling that because it's not easy I think it's just like it's easier just to oh let's just feminize it. Yeah. You know, the church I think the church currently is built for bringing in females mm-hmm. and we'll get the guys too because right. we'll get their husbands to come to church too. Right. right. I think that's really where that where we are. And um, I, I, I think that that's what we're gonna try and tackle with this podcast and I'm super excited about it. Good. Yeah. Well I think it's gonna be a lot of fun and uh, I'll be when I see it come out i'll put it in my stream as well and also promote that help spread the word about that but guys it's been a lot of fun i hope you've enjoyed it and um john man it's it's awesome thanks for coming on the show it's it's long overdue i tried to get you here and we finally got this done but uh thanks a ton man yep yep all right thanks guys for listening please like subscribe share all that good stuff and we hope you guys have a great rest of your day thanks again for listening to the shepherd's script podcast for more information you can go to the shepherdscrook.co please consider leaving a rating or review on iTunes and if you want to become a member of the Shepherd's Crook please message me and we'll get you on the list we hope you have a great rest of your day <laughs>